This is episode 3 of Small Business Rising. My name is Anna. And I am Marta Gabriela. And today we are going to talk to Lindsay Keller Madsen, a Canadian independent book author and a founder of Little Otter Press Publishing, who came today to the studio to share her story about origin of her soulful business, her experience in launching a Kickstarter campaign to publish the first print of her book, and to tell us if combining entrepreneurship and raising four small children even possible. Okay, so uh, that was quite an entrance, which I wrote myself, (laughs) because I found your life story and the story of your business, Lindsay, very, very rich and interesting. So I wanted to put everything in in a teaser. Hello, Lindsay, by the way. Good morning. It's nice to be here. Yes, it's nice to have you here. And uh, just a small uh, background to this. So I have met you through Facebook Mm -hmm. and not in a creepy way at all. (laughs) Uh, I think you were asking uh, in one of the uh, groups, I think it was uh, Viola Mothers or something like this, Mm -hmm. for a feedback to the manuscript of your book. Yes. And uh, what has caught my interest is that the book had approximately 130 words. So I was like, oh, come on, I can give a feedback on that. (laughs) Uh, And then you uh, connected with me and we started to write and you explained me that those are rhymes, actually, like a nursery rhymes for moms. So I was like, okay, I have never read something like this, so send it to me. And I have to say that I really loved the story behind it. And I loved the, the whole, the whole idea of the book and what the book is supposed to bring to moms all over the world. And uh, then when I checked your Instagram and I saw that you have four children, including twins, I was like, okay, this is a, a mysterious creature <laughs> that is basically, uh, surviving, thriving, writing books and raising, you know, a, like a small little family that is not so, Little, it's four kids. It's really, really impressive, and uh, there is a, there was a certain energy from you that was beaming, and I was thinking, okay, we have to get her in to the studio, and then you also revealed that you are planning to launch the Kickstarter. So I thought that this will be very interesting to our listeners to actually get some information on how to approach the Kickstarter, because I think many people think about um, founding a part of their business or project through that, and we will have a first-hand experience. Uh, so, yeah, that's why you are here. Uh, at least that's my side of the story, Lindsay. And before I will dig into your background, please tell me, why did you decide to actually come here? What convinced you? I think this is really part of my journey. So, as you mentioned, we had met through this process. Um, I I am a mom of four. I have a lot going on in my house. Um, and at the moment, I have a lot going on for me personally as well with this project. So I am, yeah, going with momentum, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And and finding people to give me feedback on my book was something I was working on uh, a month or two ago, actually. So that was part of my journey to, re- to, to reach out to people, to reach out to mothers specifically. It's actually a group we're in, group we're in for international mothers, I believe, in this area. Yeah. And, um, and I really felt that actually at the heart and soul of the project is that it's, it's about motherhood and our feelings uh, not just of loneliness, it's not limited to that, but also that it's a really wonderful and challenging personal journey. And my time with my twins in the last year has been 
not just double, but a very concentrated version of that going from two to four children uh, was a really big jump for me. And um, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about my background, but I've been really uh, passionately pursuing my interest in business um, Mm -hmm. in my career up until now. Um, I'm also a creative person personally, and I think motherhood has really reignited that passion for me. And a way I've worked through some of those challenges and struggles um, is just through writing, and I really love that. And it's kind of reawakened in me uh, in this last year. So uh, that's partly what the book is about, and I guess we'll get into that too later. We will, we will. (laughs) Yes, but uh, I guess also the last reason uh, why I invited you here is also because I wanted to know if you are real and not some cardboard cutout. (laughs) You just just said, uh, again, confirmed very, very firmly that yes, there are four kids and uh, one-year-old twins, uh, you know, in your house. And uh, I think this episode will be interesting not only for moms, who are trying to maybe start something or mm-hmm. are looking for some community. But for everyone who is interested, if it's possible to to basically have a family and, and run a small business, mm-hmm. and maybe we will also get some tips and tricks for you. How the hell are you doing it? Yeah, well, at the, I mean, it's sort of a special situation for me at the moment. My husband's on paternity leave until next week, so I... I mean, as women do, as soon as there's sort of a free moment in their life, they fill it up with things that they that they love. So I um, I knew that I was going to have between eight and 12 weeks to, to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I just jammed that full of, um, of yeah, goals and objectives and things um, that I wanted to achieve from this time. So I took something that a few months ago was just a scribble on paper, um, and now I've had it reviewed and refined, and I've connected with lots of people to bring it to life. Um, and I think maybe if I have one tip, it's understand your timeline. So I've been on a very condensed timeline, but I knew if I really want to make it happen, then mm-hmm. then I need to like break it down into pieces and know when those deadlines are happening. Yeah, and I think, uh, Marta, you know, remember when you were making uh, your part of a lecture, because sometimes, guys, we do lectures at university. We are Mm -hmm. so smart. (laughs) I remember when Marta was uh, (laughs) doing her part of a lecture, regardless of what we were talking about, Marta was many times talking about priorities and goal setting. Mm -hmm. And some people students were like saying, yeah, but I don't have enough time. And then Marta, you were coming out there and telling your story. And uh, I think you put to shame some of those students. Well, definitely, if you want to make things happen and you have a career and children and family, you have to become a master Mm -hmm. of efficiency, productivity and planning. You stop wasting time. You use your time super productively mm-hmm. and you keep on rolling. Yeah. yeah. I think the the really wonderful thing actually about it is you don't have time for all the extra fluff that you don't really care about. It just falls away because the only things are the ones that you put in those precious blocks of time. Yeah, I, I think that this is a very good uh, tip and also lesson for everyone who is uh, listening to us and thinking, I don't have enough time to run a small business, to start something because, you know, my 
my life is so busy. I'm a single student <laughs> and I have no time. Well, I think it's also about priorities. Uh, but um, Lindsay, you are from Canada. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's always intriguing because uh, Canada is such a mysterious land for me. And I always wonder if people there are super nice as the everyone says and, you know, so kind of pleasant and and. Sometimes I would say mellow, but that's because I watched a lot of uh, How I Met Your Mother. So I am definitely <laughs> yeah. a little bit uh, uh, biased uh, yeah. and I definitely don't understand the real Canadian culture or spirit. But um, first, I would like to ask you, actually, if you would have to choose three adjectives to describe yourself, mm -hmm. what would you what would you say? Yeah, well, with the Canadian introduction, I want to say friendly, <laughs> but I guess <laughs> I think... I think it actually links well, but I'm I'm a very resourceful person. So mm -hmm. I think that would definitely be one quality is that when there's something that I want or something that I, a problem that I'm faced with, I think I'm a very resourceful person to mm -hmm. find the things I need or the information I need to, to tackle it. Yeah. Um, I think I'm also, what links to that is that I'm quite creative. So in, yeah, I'm a business developer in my day job before before kids or outside of kids and and that kind of requires you to think creatively about what you're working with and and I mean I'm a writer so that by nature also means thinking creatively about things um, so yeah, those are the probably the two did you ask for three <laughs> I asked for three yes but yeah. I think there were actually almost four yeah. because uh, it's resourcefulness quality oriented mm -hmm. and creative mm -hmm. plus the extra bonus because you're Canadian, you're also friendly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. We are kind of falling into stereotype <laughs> right now. But uh, I have to say that that's actually an impression that I, I have of you so far. So, so far, so good. You are yeah. checking my checklist of... Yeah, I'm fulfilling. <laughs> how, how, uh, how authentic she is. So that's, yeah. that's a very good point. Um, so um, tell us, Lindsay, how did you end up in Denmark? What were you doing in Canada and how did you arrive to this country yeah i am um, i mean it's it's a long and complicated story but the the short version is that i i was abroad for a year uh, during my education during mm -hmm. my four-year undergrad and i i met my husband and we yeah he's danish so we knew that to find the common ground and and sort of see where that was going to go we would have to be in the same <laughs> time zone or country or region yeah um and i was yeah 21 and thought adventure was what i wanted in my life anyway so i decided to stay in europe for a little while until i had to go back and finish my degree um yeah and we yeah, moved around a little bit and we both got master's degrees here in Europe. And then when my, and getting married and traveling and it was all wonderful. And about five years ago, my daughter was born and we realized our priorities shifted really quickly. Um, and it went from being, you know, two young professionals just doing whatever we wanted to yeah. really evaluating the environment we were going to start our family in. And we knew that community and having family nearby would be important to us. So mm -hmm. Denmark, <laughs> of the two, was the closer home uh, for us. So uh, we moved here. And we also, I mean, it's renowned as a wonderful country to raise your kids in. And I think it's fulfilling all those expectations for us. So we stayed and continued having children. Yes, uh, <laughs> three more of them. Very creative in <laughs> that place. <too. laughs> yes, yes, a lot of creativity. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a quite typical story 
again falling into stereotypes uh, that a Dane, mm. uh, either female or a male Dane, uh, steals a heart of an international mm-hmm. and then brings it uh, brings that person here. We actually had. Marta, how many guests who ended up in Denmark because of the the partner that is Dane? Yeah. It's like it's quite unbelievable. So I don't know what those Danes have inside of them, but they are very persuasive. Uh, to and be fair, I got him to Canada first. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so and yeah. even though Danish law tries to make it as difficult as possible, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's actually interesting that this is usually the mm. love that brings us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we'll jump into your business, I'm wondering how your life compares right now to the vision of your life you had when you were a teenager in Canada. It's absolutely not what I planned. <laughs> okay. I would, I mean, I think I'm a planner as a default setting. I like to make plans and have dreams yeah. and... And I would always joke that I'm kind of a paddler in life. I like to see what I want to be in life and go. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just kind of let the, the wind or water take me where it wants. And so I always like to think I have this great control on where I'm going and what I want. But in the end, I think there's some really amazing opportunities that come along the way. And if you're going to miss them, if you're not willing to change course. Yeah. So um, sort of like a theme in my life, I guess, is <laughs> um, it's been a happy happy adventure that I don't end up where I had planned, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I think I expected to settle down like most people do and and have kids in my home community. But to be building my own community in a foreign country and learning a new language with a foreign husband, um, I mean, it's really exciting. It's not what I planned, but I think it's even better than I would have. So. Okay, that's that's a very good attitude. Then I guess I have to make a smooth transition and ask you, have you ever imagined that you will write a book? Ooh, I think I always thought it would be a really amazing thing to do. Um, mm. I don't know that I ever put anything on paper. I mean, my husband always joked that I should, you should write a book. You should like write kids' books. Yeah. I got that feedback. Um, I wrote a lot when I was younger and... Um, and I really love that. I just I think I never imagined the future when it would happen. And mm-hmm. then I pursued my career interests and, yeah, like I said, then became a mom. And so the book is sort of creating itself. Um, I feel more like I'm enabling it than, than that yeah. I'm creating it. Um, so, yeah, I think I always admired the idea of doing it but didn't have the thing and the plan and the idea for what I wanted okay. to do. So please tell us then how did the idea materialize? Because, you know, it's, uh, uh, I remember I've heard somewhere this um, phrase of, you know, the piano of purpose falls on your head and suddenly you are enlightened and you know what you want to do. You have this revelation because I can read from what you are saying that that was not necessarily in your plans to write a book. So tell tell us about the specific moment. Mm -hmm. Was this a... was this something specific or was it building up? How, how did you came up with this? So a year ago, I guess, I I mean, I had brand new twins and yeah, I would... Yeah, that they were not secondhand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would then ask you from where did you get Yeah, them? brand new. Brand I just new. created two humans at once. And, um, yeah, and I should have no more goals in life. I've achieved all that I could ever <laughs> <laughs> wish to. Yeah. Um, but I think, as I mentioned, the whole experience of having twins and two babies, I, I would say my single babies, the two that came before, were like I was healthy and good. Uh, you know, in my pregnancy, I didn't struggle the way that I, a lot of my friends do. And 
it was really wonderful. And I think it was, it was still challenging and hard. And I would say that's with the best circumstances you could imagine. Yeah. Um, and then I got pregnant with twins when, to be honest, I was expecting uh, a third easy child. I know what I'm doing. This will be easy, and which isn't true anyway, but but it's what I was imagining. And then to have twins, I mean, it was, a, it was like being a brand new mom again. I felt like I was teleported back to not having square no idea one, what I was yeah. doing. Yeah, square one, how do you do all the things you think you know how to do, but with two of them? And it, yeah, it was really, I think, a shock to the system. So the I, I resourcefully grabbed up all the help I could get and, and we stumbled through it for a while. But I'd felt like emotionally and mentally and physically, I had never been challenged this way before. So I, I mean, the, the writing in me came out just as a way to process what I was working through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that these aren't, I mean, I had a lot of friends. This is the other half of it. I think part of it was my own journey and struggles. And then the other half was probably my friends. A lot of my friends around the same time started admitting that they'd been struggling with their kids. It looked rosy from the outside, but actually they had been really struggling and not reaching out um, when they were home with their kids. And some of them had postpartum depression. Some of them were just like me and struggling um, under, again, good conditions, but it's not easy. So. Uh, this all happening at the same time made me start like wanting to process some of that and put it on paper. And, and one day I was sitting on the floor and reading with m- to my girls and I just started thinking this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm reading animal sounds and little stories and they don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, the most important thing here is just that they hear my voice and the rhythm of language. And I started thinking, this is like, why am I not reading to my friends? Or why am I not giving myself an important message right now? And I thought, there's a way to do two things at once, have a fun, playful book that, you know, your baby will still enjoy, but can give more to the person reading it, which is a mother who's struggling and lonely and needs to be reminded that motherhood is messy sometimes. So I, I think a lot of these things came together. And and I, my husband said, why don't you just pay somebody to make some pictures for what you've written? And I think at the time he thought it would be like a $5 <laughs> endeavor. So oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. <laughs> so kind of having stumbled into it, um, mm-hmm. it just started to take form. I think that's where the heart of it started. Okay, actually, this is a very interesting uh, um, little point in the story. When you mentioned, you know, I'm reading those animal sounds to the girls. <laughs> and I know that they don't really, because they were really little, so they yeah. don't really even know what the hell am I doing. Yeah, And they just want to hear my voice. So yeah. why not to use my voice to actually send a message? Mm-hmm. And that's how the rhymes came in. Because yeah. I was at the beginning, before I read that the manuscript is 130 words, mm-hmm. I thought it's 130 pages. I automatically yeah. read that. I was like, okay, so those are probably some memories or some thoughts yeah. of of a mom. Yeah. Um, some kind of a diary. A diary. Yes, yeah. type of uh, memoir from yeah. my, uh, yeah. you know, surviving the motherhood Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's why the rhymes this is very interesting yeah there's I mean I've spoken to a few I have spoken to doulas and midwives Mm -hmm. I mean along this journey but the there's one uh, a speech therapist I spoke to and I had her look at the manuscript from a rhyming and meter perspective it's when you're writing in rhyme there's a certain rhythm to it or flow it's somehow lyrical I guess and Mm -hmm. and she said that it's important for their brain development and understanding language is if it's done poorly then it doesn't 
I guess it doesn't teach them the same way that as if it's sort of musical in the way it rhymes or the way it's written. Mm-hmm. I think when I wrote it, it was also just a playful way to give give a story or to, to yeah. paint pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it a little more fun to read as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I definitely could see that and I loved uh, most of the rhymes that you came up with. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even got this thought that this could be written read to a child but then again you are right at this age mm-hmm. they don't really even know and it's actually something comforting there mm-hmm. is a certain catharsis when you say this out loud that mm-hmm. you know because it's never that you know life is bad and I have a depression and <laughs> oh my god there is uh, even if the rhymes are um, showing a hardship mm-hmm. there is always some sparkle of positivity or hope in every single rhyme and that's what i loved about them mm-hmm. uh, so you made a decision uh, i guess you were encouraged by your husband mm-hmm. to actually do something about it and to approach a person like an illustrator yeah was it um you know um something that felt right straight away or you had some doubts uh, mm-hmm fears or moments like what the hell am I doing I don't have time for this how how was it for you can all yes to all of those things <laughs> there's That's a very good answer yeah. <laughs> and I, now elaborate please. yeah yeah. yeah so the so I started looking at, I think there are some really good websites there's uh, for artists or for reaching mm-hmm. out to people who can draw for you or create media and um, I looked at Fiverr and Behance, and there's lots of good places, but I was struggling to connect with them, and I realized that part of what's important to this project is that the, the person drawing the imagery or the visuals or so alongside my word understand those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, I really think I need to find somebody who's passionate about motherhood or that's living it at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you start looking on Instagram or Googling, I mean... It narrows the field. So I, I basically looked at the whole scope. You can find very talented people that can draw whatever you want. But I think I knew I wanted somebody to bring heart to the Ill- illustrations the way I'd put mine into the words. Yeah. So um, I had three people quickly um, that were yeah just publishing a lot on, on Instagram and on social media about motherhood and and I wrote them and they, I mean, it was very easy to see that they are passionate about it if that's what they're creating mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and one of them was actually here in Denmark. And I thought, wouldn't that, I mean, I really loved her work. And I thought, yeah. wouldn't that be a really great way to build this thing, to be so close together um, and to be able to talk to each other and see if the connection was there. Yeah. So I jumped in my car the next week and I, she was having a, an art show in Copenhagen. And mm-hmm. I just said, I'm going to come meet you can we talk about this project and yeah. and it, yeah the chemistry worked and it just took off from there okay I, I thought so I just jumped in a car to visit her and I don't know why I thought <laughs> you will say with her own twins yeah <laughs> but uh, no twins there no but she know. does have a baby we're actually both just yeah. coming off uh, off a of maternity leave okay. so we're like right in sync with each other we're very much in sync mm-hmm. and uh, I have to say that the illustrations are absolutely beautiful yeah she's and so talented the, the one that I have seen it's not only beautiful but actually it resembles the the meaning of the rhyme in such a perfect way that you made a good decision and i think marta you also are doing making decisions about your business partnerships based sometimes on the energy and intuition Mm -hmm. right 
I think I only do it now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> based yeah. on intuition. I used to do it in a, a completely different way. Yeah. I was doing that very much based on my mind and mm -hmm. what's a rational thing to do. I stopped doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. really, if you don't feel the chemistry, yeah. it's just like, it's, it's the first thing. Yeah. So first comes the chemistry and energy, and then we can look about <laughs> yeah. the other rational things because the chemistry can be great. But if I need to pay them a million dollars, I wouldn't yeah, probably of be yeah. able to do that. Be able to do that because I don't know if you know, Lindsay, because yeah. I will use this time before our small musical brain, uh, brain <laughs> break, <laughs> break. Yes, also musical brain. We have a musical brain here mm -hmm. as well. That's our technician, David. Mm -hmm. uh, before we will jump into musical brain, I will actually reveal a little secret that Marta here is also writing a book mm. and I think a lot of parts of the book are also about motherhood but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the main theme of the book yeah. and you were also doing exactly the same thing you had to choose an illustrator so was this the same process for you that it was so cool the way I found my illustrator I came to uh, it was a LinkedIn local networking event mm -hmm. and I was sitting there chatting with people and then I just turned around mm -hmm. and I s and I caught somebody's eyes yeah. mm -hmm. and then we just looked at each other and then you know I con I continue talking in the group mm -hmm. and then we just uh, you know like I don't know in which way we started talking to each other and there was just something in this person yeah. and we just uh, connected on LinkedIn and I don't know if she wrote me or I wrote her I don't remember anymore and it was like let's meet and talk I, I, d I yeah. didn't even know why I didn't yeah. know what she was doing I was just like let's uh, talk and meet and let's meet and talk and uh, that's how we uh, seriously yeah, so you were not even actively looking or considering no. Okay, this this is a really cool story. So, because that was also my, one of, one of my questions, you know, how did you find your illustrators? So now we yeah. know actually stories of two ladies who are writing books. Mm -hmm. So, guys, connection, intuition, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, understanding, and also I guess quality. Because I saw both of the illustrations uh, that yep. your illustrators have made for you, and they are really great. So, good job, ladies. Yeah. Um, but uh, also I was just uh, thinking that, you know, when you do a project like this, you have to find quite a lot of people. And after the musical break, we will ask you, how did you find your editors and mm -hmm. reviewers? And of course, we'll talk about Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. But now we will have a bit of uh, great music. And yes, I am biased because this is a very first single from upcoming album of the band that my boyfriend is in. Mm -hmm. And I have heard this song, I think, probably around 100 times on different stages of development because I live with him, which is a great thing because we have a child together, so I need him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's okay to live with you. But uh, I love this song. Uh, it, I, I, I'm not bored by it, so that's a very good sign because when you hear something over and over again, and I am extremely honored and happy to present to you today, lay down your guy, gun, not guy. <laughs> I, will I was going to ask if it's a personal <laughs> story <laughs> from your life, but okay. <laughs> I will not reveal that. But I hope that now you will remember the title even better. It's Lay Down Your Gun by Lazy Atomic Eye. Yeah. 
And we are back. That was lay down your gun, not lay down your guy. Lay down your gun by Lazy Atomic Eye. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed this uh, song. And if you are listening to this episode, not on the radio, but as a podcast in show notes, you can find information on how to find that song and how to support the band because I think they are super super talented and they deserve it uh, so we are back here with Lindsay and we are wrapping uh, down you wrap down or up. you up you wrap up as you uh, probably can see uh, or hear here we are not native English speakers, but Lindsay... Apparently, we also have problems with the senses. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> you we can don't rub know what sideways. Yes, we are also not native humans. <laughs> we are distorted in some way, but uh, she is a native speaker, so it will be a pleasure to hear her answer to our next question. Mm -hmm. We know how you found your illustrator, but how did you find your editors and your reviewers? Did you pay them or actually were you able to creatively find people who helped you with shaping your book? Yeah, this is actually, a re I think, one of the best resources I've stumbled on, um, not just editor-specific, but um, Facebook groups for writers. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of really great, so I'm in a couple uh, Facebook groups for children's author, children's book authors, mm -hmm. um, and you can, I mean, you can search those, some of those terms and find ones that you like the threads the best. Um, I have a couple that I like that suit me and how I learn Um and that was really helpful for understanding the process and the different ways that people will do it. So you can kind of very quickly get different case studies. Um, I didn't want, so there are also a lot of groups that you can go do that will do, it's called beta reading. Well, the re mm -hmm. they will read through sections if it's a longer book, or in my case, it was a shorter book because uh, I'm creating a picture book, so it's not a lot of words. Um where they'll read it and give you feedback. So I did a few of those from an author-to-author -author perspective, but I knew if I wanted my book to resonate with my target audience that I should actually go to the people I would want to read this book, um, which is actually why we stumbled on each other in the Viola mother group because mm -hmm. I thought I would like feedback from people who might read this. Yeah. Um, and and I think that was really great uh, to do that exercise in two ways. One, to get feedback from other professionals who will understand in a structural way, you know, the way the book is supposed to work. Um, and then also the, the customer, it's not a customer, but the reader way, um, yeah. the way your audience, that's the word I'm yeah. looking for, um, the way they'll perceive the project. So um, that was you know, in a nice, I did a lot of that and working the revisions in myself. And then I found a, an editor I paid. So mm -hmm. I know some people will go to, um, to people in their life, a family member who is a teacher or somebody that has a strong sense of structure. Um, but I thought the most reliable way would be to go to a professional editor. And there's different ranges for how much you can pay for that. Of course. Um, and because my book is rhyming, I found somebody who specialized in rhyme and rhythm. Mm -hmm. So I think that was also smart to, to find somebody that would evaluate the quality of my book for the contents that it had. Okay, people. So as you can hear, Facebook is the key to finding <laughs> the right people. Uh, how many reviewers uh, have you managed to Ooh. to get for your book? Um, for that's sort of tricky because I went through some different phases, but I would say I've had at least like well over 10. It's fantastic. Yeah. Again, it's a shorter 
volume, so it's it's a lower commitment, I guess, from people yeah. to read through it when it's it's actually two hundred and fifty words down, but still, yeah, very digestible, like yeah. scroll on your phone kind of text. Yeah, so um, I would say yeah, somewhere between twenty and twenty five people maybe that I've have had at various stages look at the content. Mm -hmm. Of the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, of course, we are talking about the book with, a, yeah, as you said, low, low kind of a commitment because mm -hmm. it's not so many words. But I think for any other people who are thinking about publishing the books, uh, a good idea could be to maybe just uh, ask for... Can you read the chapter? Yeah. Can you read an intro? Can you read, mm -hmm. you know, just a part of it to tell me what kind of vibe are you getting from it? So uh, that's a that's a very good uh, thing that we we have pointed out here. Mm -hmm. So of course I have to ask you because I know a lot of people who are writing, mm -hmm. be it uh, dairy. Yes, that's correct pronunciation. Memoir, notes, journals. Maybe they even write a book and they think that they will actually, you know, leave it for their family, friends or children. Mm -hmm. But there is a point when you are making a decision. Actually, I want to share it with the world. Mm -hmm. And you have arrived to this point uh, and you decided to publish, actually self-publish your mm -hmm. book, which we will touch upon in Kickstarter part. Uh, why? I think, uh, I, I don't know, as I said, I kind of just felt like I got out of the way for this thing to start creating itself. Um, it felt like really important work. Um, and I, I've talked about this with friends, but that when I started doing this, I felt kind of like a fire was lit and that I had to do it. It was, um, it just felt really important to me. And the more women that I talked to through my mother's group here in Denmark, to my friends in Canada, online, eventually in different communities, it it felt like something... Uh, through this book, it's uh, what I'm working to do is deliver a message that we aren't alone in motherhood. And I feel like this is something we need as many ways as we can get it, <laughs> um, as frequently as we need to hear it. So um, it for me, that felt really important. It felt very important. Uh, it was an important message I wanted to give to my friends. And then I realized it's not just my friends. It's actually all of us in this community of motherhood that I want to hear this. So I thought if I can do it, if it's viable, um, then I would really love to try and see if this thing can fly. Mm -hmm. I think on the Facebook page of your group, because you have created the Facebook page, mm -hmm. what is the title so people can find it? Sure. Um, I've made a, a Facebook page for this called Life and Love as Mama. Yeah. So Life and Love uh, as Mama, I think you have posted either there or Instagram. So I might mm -hmm. mix it. Uh, a very nice like uh, illustrations showing, uh, showing mom, you mm -hmm. know, who is struggling and then... I think it was lights in a in a building or somewhere like trying to symbolize oh, that yeah. there is so many of those moms and they might be alone. Mm -hmm. And actually, when you look at it from a wider perspective, you see they are everywhere and maybe they need to connect in some way. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really beautiful. So I guess I will wrap up this uh, part by asking you what kind of message are, are you hoping to send with this book or what do you want this book to change in the life of a of a mama of a newborn i really hope that um if this book was on the bookshelf of a mother at home i hope that when she's reading it she can see that actually motherhood is chaotic and messy but is also really beautiful i think we all we all know that or believe it or wish it going into motherhood that there will be beautiful magical moments um and those they're absolutely there but i think what we 
are sometimes afraid to talk about or unwilling to present ourselves um, is as real mothers and how that really can look in some yeah. moments. So, um, so all of that is what a lot of the book is. But in the very end, what I really want to leave, the message I would like to leave with any mother reading this is that you aren't alone in motherhood, that, you know, you'll go through all these highs and lows. We'll do it differently as women. And, but in, at the end of it all, we have each other. And I think, I think that's an important reminder that you should use your community and build your community and find the people that um, help maintain your, <laughs> your mental health uh, through your motherhood journey. And I hope that this message will reach as many moms as possible. So we are really, you know, keeping our fingers crossed. And before we will jump into Kickstarter, people, and all those uh, mysterious things you have to do down there Mm -hmm. to to start your campaign. Um, Marta, you have prepared something. And we actually think that this will be a regular segment on our podcast uh, where we will try to inform you about interesting workshops or courses or events locally. And uh, Marta have prepared a couple of informations for you guys. So, Marta, what's on your radar? Yes, so welcome to workshops and events and interesting and cool and useful stuff happening around here in Denmark. We are working on a title for that segment, by the way, as you can hear. (laughs) (laughs) And we hope that this will also be inspiration for people who are listening to us from other countries to potentially create these kind of events. So first event is happening in Aarhus and it's happening on Wednesday, the 30th of September from 9.15 to 12. Mm -hmm. You can come to the Kitchen AU, which is uh, Aarhus University, to uh, participate in Business Model Canvas Workshop. So for all the small businesses who are struggling with getting a good business model and being able to present what their business is all about, it's open. It's not only for students, it's open for everyone. So if you are up for it, Wednesday, 30th of September from 9.15 to 12 in Aarhus. And you'll get all the tools and know-how on how to build the business model based on your uh, research or project. And yeah, that's the first one. Sounds good to me. Yeah, the second one uh, comes from Copenhagen uh, and it's called Startup Barbecue. Uh, And uh, luckily, you don't even need to go to Copenhagen because it's happening online. And what Tech BBQ is uh, all about is matchmaking event. So that's uh, that event connects pre-seed, seed stage and Series A startups. So apparently you need to know what that means. <laughs> uh, but if you are in a startup phase and you're looking for investment, you will know what it means. Yeah. But it's an online matchmaking event for startups and international investors. Fantastic. And uh, it's a virtually facilitated matchmaking activities. And it's happening virtually on the 7th of October 2020. Fantastic. So that sounds great. Whoever is listening to us uh, on a podcast of or if you're listening on the radio, just find us as a podcast, Small Business Rising, yeah. and you'll get all the links. The third event is happening in Weile. I just try to uh, choose different cities from different parts of Denmark. Uh, obviously, you're very inclusive. Uh, very good. Podcast. Yes. Uh, this one is uh, when it's called Fab Advice. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a place. Uh, it's happening weekly. 
where you can come and get par- uh, pragmatic advice for your business. It's um, it's happening in um, Spindery Hallene. Yes. People who are who live in Vile will know what it is. But basically, you can go there and you can get a real advice from uh, accountants, legal advice, and so on. So that's you can go and uh, ask for questions. And the last event is um, from Ulense, mm-hmm. and it's called WTF is a startup. So uh, what okay. the, oh, we can say the bad word here in the radio, what the fuck is a startup? Yes. And um, you, and it, it, I just like the way they describe it. Even mm-hmm. though running a business sometimes feels like a rocket science, you don't have to be a rocket pilot to get things going. Sharing is caring, is learning, is improving, is promoting, is expanding. I can keep going. But sharing knowledge is crucial when it comes to starting a business. And if you don't know where to start, maybe chatting to people that are passionate about it will give you a bit of a direction. We are starting this 12 weeks gathering every Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. So every one on uh, everyone in Unse uh, on 28th of September 2020 from 7 to 9 p.m. You can talk about startups. Thank you very much, Marta. So we have an event from Aarhus, Weile, Copenhagen, which is a virtual one, and Unse. And all the links to those cool events, if something caught your ear, will be in the show notes of this podcast episode. You just have to go to the fiveoptions.com and from there, it's a smooth navigation to this episode. So you will find it. And back to Lindsay. So... We also know that you are planning to self-publish your book. So mm-hmm. you are not planning to send it to any publishing house or, or anything of this kind. You actually want to do it by yourself. And I guess uh, you have reasons for that decision. And I guess that's why the Kickstarter campaign is showing up soon mm-hmm. on the horizon. So please tell us why did you went for self-publishing and how did you decide on Kickstarter specifically? Mm-hmm. So when I had a manuscript together and I had started thinking about how I wanted that to come to life, I went and did my research on the different ways to do that. And um, it very quickly became apparent that you can either prepare the manuscripts to do a lot of editing, create a cover letter about what your vision is for the book, and then you can pitch it to publishers. And I think that is a really great option for people who would like to not be involved in all the other steps of the process. Um <laughs> for me, I guess personally, it started to become a very personal project mm-hmm. um, and that I wanted to control more elements of what might come out of that. Um, I wanted to start, I wanted to be driving, you know, which direction the illustrations went, how it was released, how it was pitched. Um, when you release your manuscript to a publisher, I think in most cases, again, I haven't done it, but my understanding is that they take over and then you still have to be involved in marketing and promoting the book from your end, but that actually they make a lot of the creative decisions as it comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I really wanted to explore self-publishing, and I think I just got bit by the bug of it. I, wa- you know, I, I thought it was really exciting and really interesting, and I was learning a lot. And I thought, well, I can do this. <laughs> so, so I, I just thought I'll try it out myself, and if it falls off the rails, I can always go back to a. a um, a traditional publisher, but um, but yeah, I've really loved it so far. So I think that was a more natural fit for mm-hmm. me in the project. Um, 
one piece of self-publishing, of course, then is that you need to come up with the funds to do um, the different steps of that. So that means paying an illustrator. That means paying for an initial print run and, you know, everything else, excuse me, in between um, related to marketing and editing and everything that a traditional publisher would take over and handle for you. So I am... I thought after, you know, learning also more about Kickstarter was and how it works for people who want to publish something, um, that that could be a really great way to test the concept in the market and also see what is the, you know, the market response for this. How how does my audience like the look of this and can I engage people to help do some pre-sales through the Kickstarter? Because that's essentially what it boils down to. This is the way you sell your book ahead of time to help fund the large print run. I totally agree with you, uh, and I believe that Kickstarter, except of you know having this element of getting the funds, is a great way of promoting mm-hmm. the, the 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 book itself because people are pre buying it, so mm-hmm. they are basically funding the the print and all the other things. So, but you also can share your Kickstarter campaign, and Kickstarter actually is a quite cool platform. Mm-hmm. I have purchased a couple of. Yeah. Uh, things because I like the projects from Kickstarter and yeah, that's how I found out about them. I didn't yeah. find out about them from social media advertising. No. I went on Kickstarter and started to browse different projects and I was like, okay, that's really cool. Yeah. So I will just go and, you know, and, and sponsor that, that person. And then I got, I think I, I think I got at least three card games from yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <coughs> I think that's really cool. And, um, the remark about the self-publishing versus the traditional publishing. I think, Marta, you are also going for self-publishing and there are some reasons for that, right? Well, I spoke to three people that I know who have already published their mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. I have one friend who did completely self-publishing, mm-hmm. have one friend who has found a publisher and then go for self-publishing mm-hmm. and have a friend who used a platform for uh, similar to uh, GoFundMe, but it's a Polish, uh, it's a Polish platform. And I just sat down with them. I uh, asked them for their experiences and I believe that when you are writing something so very personal, that is your personal story, uh, giving away the rights to the publishing house Mm -hmm. to do with it what they want to do with it is a tricky business. Mm -hmm. So I personally think that uh, maybe if you are writing a fiction book, maybe if you're writing something that is uh, of this kind of at least it's not your own personal story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's a great way. And mm-hmm. it can go to masses easier, so to speak. But if it's something comes from your, not saying that fiction doesn't come from the heart, of course it does, but it's a different thing. It's a different thing for me, the way I feel it. Mm-hmm. When it's my own story, I want to be able to be in control of that. And if I don't want to publish it anymore because it, my story changes or mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't resonate with it anymore. We mm-hmm. as people grow, develop and stuff. I want to have full rights to do with it as I want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I will just quickly add is just that um, it is also a a big job. I'm sure you know this now for the amount of work you've done um, that you actually have to be willing to do that. I mean, because some people I think would like to just stay in the creative element and let somebody else handle the business end. There is a lot of learning and growing and work to do. 
to kind of carry it yourself? Yeah, well, I have not done it yet. I'm okay. still in the, I'm one of these crazy people that have decided to ask their friends to be the <laughs> editors and the friends are uh, yeah. in front and then the friends needs break and stuff. So yeah. uh, that's it has uh, extended. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still ahead of uh, I'm not taking journey. this personally. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a very uh, good point both from you, Marta, and both from you, Lindsay. So, yes, uh, when you are traditionally publishing, you probably are losing uh, full control over your mm -hmm. own work. And if it comes from the heart, mm -hmm. and by this we mean if it's a piece of your life, basically, mm -hmm. on a display, you want to have a full control. But I also will agree with you, Lindsay, that some people... Uh, they don't really have a mental capacity, uh, not capacity, mental space mm -hmm. to start to learn all mm -hmm. those things mm -hmm. about self-publishing. And I think it's also the same with music industry. Many musicians, they just want to play the music and uh, do something, you know, do everything else for me. And then they fall into a very, very nasty traps of, you know, not having control over their image or their music mm -hmm. or whatsoever. So it's a tougher road, taking in consideration the amount of work you have to put in but it's basically the ones that you know you have more control over everything and I think that is always a decision that everyone has to make so very good point and I think both of you because you have a background in business and you have a business education you might be more inclined into doing that kind of things because you you are a business-minded people Many artists like to call themselves, I'm an artist, I don't like anything business related, so, you know, do it for me. And then, and then, yeah, they might regret. But, okay, let's just jump into the Kickstarter. So we are starting Kickstarter. When are we starting it? Yeah, in mid-August, or mid-September. Mid-September. <laughs> mid-September. I have currently scheduled September 15th, um, but I'm going to, yeah, as I finalize my marketing strategy, that day will get set in the near future. Okay, so um, as we are um, slowly yet firmly arriving to almost the end of this interview, I need to ask you, Lindsay, what are the three most important things, as you see right, see right now, in setting up Kickstarter campaign? Mm -hmm. So the Kickstarter platform itself is really great, and we'll walk you through that. But I think if you are considering a Kickstarter or committing to one, um, in my opinion, knowing your purpose, why you are doing this um, is really important because it's going to be baked into all of your messaging and it'll also be, you know, baked into how passionately you are advertising yourself in this project. And I think that's really important. Um, another point is to build your audience. So it's sort of the next, next natural thing. It's a crowdfunding platform. You mm -hmm. need to bring your crowd <laughs> to the platform. Um, it is great when people browse through, as you talked about, mm -hmm. that will happen some organic, but you can't really count on that if you're going to um, have a goal that's higher than a few thousand, for example. Yeah, of course. Um, the more money you want to earn, the bigger the crowd needs to be, and you really need to work to build interest in yeah. that. Um, and the last one is sort of what I've said before, just that you should be ready to do the work because it's I mean, at the end of the day, some people are saying it's like three to six months of advertising all cramped into, on average, 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, you can set your own timeline, but I think they say the most successful campaigns are 30 days or less. Mm -hmm. So it's a very concentrated, time-intensive or work-intensive time period. So those would be my big three things. Big three things, guys. And I think they are important because I also met a lot of opinions that people think I will just 
put it on Kickstarter mm-hmm. and the magic will happen. People will find my project and there is a very bitter disappointment. Mm-hmm. Very interesting that you mentioned bring your audience to your Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. So how did you build your odds audience? I'm still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but one, I mean, for me, my strategy has been about building authentic content. So you've seen that on my Instagram, ta- you know, presenting who I am and what motivates me and mm-hmm. um, and what I'm living for. Uh, and then also creating spaces on my Facebook page or I've recently launched a web page for myself as an author where you can let people see who you are and what you're doing. And then you need to find ways to attract people there. So I'm creating free resources to, they're I think often called funnels or magnets to, so that they can find me. So they can find more about me and my projects because they want this free thing that you've provided them. Yeah. The, the freebie strategy, I think it's actually quite important because, uh, I noticed that younger people, they are not that much into collecting emails. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a huge mistake. I'm still a big fan of a good old fashioned email mm-hmm. uh, collection. And I think that when you offer something on your website, and for that, you of course ask for the email address, mm-hmm. that's how you build your emailing list. Mm-hmm. So I guess you will also use that in, in your audience building. Mm-hmm. Um, last question, Lindsay, I would ask you 10 more, but we are running slowly mm-hmm. out of time. Um, you mentioned that you are building your audience through sharing the authentic self mm-hmm. and your uh, real life, actually, Snapchats from your life, you know, moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a break when we were listening to the great song, Lay Down Your Gun, not Lay Down Your Guy, uh, you both mentioned you were both discussing about how to present yourself in the group of interest that you are trying to, let's say, call it target and not come across as someone who tries to sell something. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a last um, uh, thought about this? How are you trying to do that? I think the, I mean, my strategy so far has been really to create things uh, or, you know, pieces of advice that people actually want. So to think about your kind of audience and then think of how can I help them? Mm -hmm. Um, And often, you know, the way is to try and help them three or four times before you ask for anything. Yeah. Um, as, you know, a basic rule to try and give more than you would take in any community. I think that's a very good advice because, you know, you are not just there. I'm selling this book, buy it, but you are actually trying to make your audience to understand you, resonate with you and, and get something. And then that might convince them to, to buy the book. Good luck, Lindsay, Thank with you. your Kickstarter and all the details and all the links to Lindsay's profile, website, and everything you will be able to find on our website, thefiveoptions.com, where this podcast episode will be placed. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Thank you, Marta. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>